This is a HeadGum Podcast. Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a Miracle Made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver-infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, So you're not, like, getting too hot or too cold or whatever. You know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle Made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But More than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful, and it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made. Come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Folks, today was a bit of a comedy of errors on the technical front. At one point in the show, you may hear my audio change. Uh, it should still be kind of a the same, but just a slightly different level of uh, audio. Um, so, uh, sorry about that, and uh, I'll clean up my act for next week. Thank you. Fake the Nation, episode 247. Hello, hello, this is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about politics, and where we brace ourselves for the hatching, boning, and then dying of cicadas. This is the year for Brood 10, which comes every 17 years. I am your host, Nikita Farsad, and I'm oddly excited for a plague of cicadas. Um, I didn't grow up with them, so this feels special? I don't know. Plus, um, who besides these randomly overly specific insects thinks that 17-year intervals are reasonable? That's not a reasonable interval. You either do 15 or you do 20. 17 doesn't make any sense. Cicadas, I have some notes for you. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about a plague of dumb controversies on the right. We'll also talk about the Derek Chauvin trial. And finally, text-based therapy. Is it totally ridiculous or just mildly (laughs) ridiculous? Today, I am joined by, oh my god, this panel. 
She is the co-host of the podcast, Were You Raised by Wolves? She's the author of the book, The Holiday Breakdown, which is now available. It is so exciting. This book is so great. She's also so prolific. You've also seen her on Colbert, and you've seen her just like be really fucking funny on stages all around America. Uh, including on shared stages with yours truly, because I've known her for a minute, and I I count her as one of my friends. She is the one and only Leah Bonama. Hey, Leah. Oh, my goodness. That intro makes me want to cry. Thank you so much. <laughs> and where do they get your book? They can get it on, well, it's a it's an e-book, so you got to get it on Amazon. You don't have to have a Kindle. It just downloads to your phone. Delightful. Uh, and the other person on the panel today, uh, oh my gosh, I have never been on a podcast with him. And then this week I get to be on two podcasts with him. Uh, and so the, the, the dress rehearsal podcast we did yesterday was so fun and so delightful because he's so funny. He is a comedian. He is a podcaster. He's done a thousand other really fancy things, which I won't list here, but one of them is that he is the founder of the HeadGum Podcast Network, which we are currently on, very excitedly. Folks, it is Amir Blumenfeld. Hi, Amir. Hello, hello. I also come once every 17 years. I wanted to say that, too, in addition to being the comedian. (laughs) It's sort of like this bar mitzvah of sorts that I allow myself to get off once every... Once every 17, 17 years, you're yeah. so you're so disciplined. So dis- it's a prime I number, know. which I think is really also an interesting way that your penis yeah, works. Yeah, so it's it's very like like 17. sting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then 34, <laughs> 51, et cetera, et cetera. Now you're bragging yeah. about adding. Yes. You look at, look how fast he adds. <laughs> which is what I did on the but other. But you podcast. also made it sound like maybe that you you also came on the day you were born. And I did. Yes. Which is day mm. zero, and then seventeen, yeah. and then right, right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Which is really we'll we'll talk we'll talk about that in in topic number three when we get into therapy. Um, <laughs> And before we get started, Patreon folks, your first bonus segment is out and it's a really fun one with Baratunde Thurston and Dan Pashman. And we talk about stereotypes that Europeans have of Americans that turn out to be true. Um, It is ridiculous and then also accidentally insightful. Uh, If you want to hear more of these great conversations, join the Patreon family at patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad. And thank you so much to everyone who's already joined, um, joined the Patreon it's just really the best way to support the show and uh, there are a lot of levels of support from as little as one or four dollars a month Uh, so get in on this action uh, and you'll get uh, some extra laughs Uh, all right let's get into it with topic number one So Derek Chauvin is on trial for the death of George Floyd, and I don't need to tell you uh, what happened there because it rocked the entire country for weeks over the summer, um, and it brought, you know, the fundamental uh, call that Black Lives Matter back to the forefront. Uh, So the trial is significant on its own, but it also is the first time a judge is allowing cameras to film a full criminal trial in the state of Minnesota. Uh, So first, I guess my question for you is, um, have you been following the trial is there anything just on the level of the trial uh, that has stuck out to you? Uh, I'm not following it just because it feels a little gross and very American to like 
sell ads against a murder trial. So I'm like, I don't need to be a part of it. I already feel bad enough watching football and college basketball. I don't also have to like watch commercials for a, a murder trial. Uh, I know that it's happening. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, it's not quite the OJ trial for me. And we'll, we can, right. And we can, we can talk about like, the, the grossness that it may or may not be bringing into uh, American cultural life um, for those ca- capitalism reasons. Um, but Leah's or something, you know, I've been I've been watching um, just like highlights, you know, I don't have uh, court TV on all day long, but I have, uh, you know, tuned in to see some moments. Um, there was uh, and I think you know, just in terms of like I don't you know I don't know how trials are conducted, but, the testimony from the 17-year-old girl who actually filmed the the now, um, you know, infamous tape. Infamous isn't the right word, whatever, but, but not the now horribly significant tape. Um, the testimony of the chief of police who really spoke against Chauvin in a way that we don't normally see from chiefs of polices. Uh, that, you know, we normally see them, like, supporting whatever police do just you know, to the core, no matter what it is. And so I feel like that was kind of interesting. Is there anything that stuck out to you, Leah, um, about the trial? I I have noticed, like you, I've been watching highlights. I have noticed that um, all of the witnesses feel guilty. It's like this, everybody feels like they should have done something more. Obviously, it was this like collective trauma. And then there, you feel like... Um, everybody wants to take response. I also have noticed, which I found very interesting, nobody I talk to, even though it seems obviously clear that he should be convicted of murder, everybody thinks he's going to get off. That's what I, all my friends that I talk about it with, what I've seen on the internet. So I think both of those things, the idea that witnesses feel guilty um, for not doing more, um, and I think we all understand why they felt like they couldn't. And then also that everybody sees, feels that he's going to get off because of the way we've been, the way it's set up to protect people. I think that's why it's so important that people see the trial, that they feel like there's some sort of transparency. Leah, I love that point um, about how all the witnesses also feel guilty. Everyone see- just seems like... They're guilty. It just like even even the guy, the doctor in the emergency room, you know, who who was called in um, to talk about cause of death was just like, I'm sorry, I feel like you, you want me to say that he you know, that drugs were a cause of death, but it was asphyxiation. Like I, you know, I'm like and no one feels good, obviously, about their truth. No one. It's like it just seems just deeply miserable for everybody and it's obviously like extraordinarily sad and horrible but um i want to kind of turn a little bit to what amir was talking about which is like you don't you're not watching it because you don't want to support like commercials and it just feels gross um and core tv is obviously popular because in the 90s you know they, they might not be as popular anymore but in the 90s they kind of grew to prominence because they did the elaborate O.J. Simpson case. I think they also did Jeffrey Dahmer, which if uh, help me remember, is he the one that ate, ate people? I believe, yeah. He's, he's the, the eater. He's the eater. Yeah. In the yes. freezer guy. So, 
the freezer guy, right? Because mm. um, you, you want to keep that meat fresh, uh, and the way to extend <laughs> the life of it is just in a is in a freezer, and we all know that. Um, but I think, uh, but I, I, so there is something like in the '90s that definitely felt like that court TV was being salacious. And it also seemed like they, every character in the O.J. Simpson trial was given screen time in a way that who knows if they asked for it, who knows if, like, you know, if 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 it was ethically right. Um, but it did, it did kind of, like, create a, a veneer of grossness to the way that those things were covered, but also was very popular. Um, so, Amir, are you... Like, disappointed that they decided to allow cameras in the first place? I mean, it doesn't seem like it makes sense. I feel like if we were just starting a society from scratch, you would be like, should we televise murder cases? You would say no. Like, I don't understand what it does. Why is that a good thing to do it? Maybe there is some sort of smart, philosophical, ethical reason that I'm not completely aware of. But to me, it just doesn't feel, it feels like, okay, let's kill people. And then when we have the trial, we can monetize that. It seems like such a weird, capitalistic, right. Amer- <laughs> very American thing. Right. <laughs> right, right, right. And then there's, and then they're putting uh, murder trial logos on beer cozies yeah, exactly. and they're selling What's those too and they're swag. Yeah, and it's like top 10 murder right. trials. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh God. All right. Yeah, um, the, it does. I mean, I think, well, you know, I was reading in like the BBC. So I always find it interesting to see another country's take on what it is we're doing terribly wrong in our society. Um, but they said, you know, they, they pointed out that the fundamental tension is between the idea of freedom of the press. Like we have a right to understand how and, and for the press to cover how the system works. Right. And that's like the freedom of the press. Uh there's a, that's a two angles on it, but there we also that but that the people within the trial have a right to a fair trial, um, and if they're being made sort of celebrities in the process, um, that may not be fair, you know, it, it, they, it, because it, it ends up infecting the way the jurors handle it, it infects the way the case is conducted. I mean, the, the presence of cameras just changes the nature of any yeah. trial, and so I mean, I. From the point of view of like, I want to know how how this is being done, uh, because you know, Leah, you were saying that the, you just feel like every, the way everyone's talking about it is just feels like Chauvin's gonna is not gonna be found guilty. Um, I want to see the process in which that is kind of remotely possible. If if that is the outcome, I want to see what it is they're seeing. You know what I mean? So in in that sense. I'm kind of like, oh, it's good to have cameras. And then in another sense, I'm sort of like, I'm not sure what it also does. It's like nationally to relive this trauma over and over again. Like it's it's also it's also weird to just constantly, you know, it, it, but it's also necessary because society needs to fucking figure this shit out already. So I don't know. You know what I mean? Leah, how do you feel? Should there be cameras? In the I, I think that there are, Particularly with, um, I think with, we would say like police, public officials, they are held accountable to the public. And specifically since there's a lack of trust, I think it's important that people can see the process, see what happens. I also think it's very important that um, the witnesses and the victim's family don't have to be on camera. And I believe that they don't have to be. They, they get to give permission. 
So I do think that there is a part of this where people are hoping to have some accountability. They're trying to make up for the lack of trust. And so in that way, I can see how having cameras would be very valuable. Yeah, I think you're you're right. They they um they changed the rules like since the you know their heyday in the '90s. In this case, the camera can't zoom in on anyone in the courtroom. They can't show um, Mr. Floyd's family or any of the witnesses without their permission. Um, and the idea behind those restrictions was to kind of moderate the like soap opera instincts um, of of court TV. Uh, does that help you at all, Amir? That they've that they've had some of those restrictions. Honestly, I thought. Court TV became True TV and then Court TV died. I'm surprised Court TV is back at all, but I guess it makes sense. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know what? You're right. <laughs> True what TV. That? What, what is happening? Is it a comeback? I don't like, know. Were they there the whole time? Like, I don't understand. Yeah. This happens in sports too. Like a team moves cities and then a new, a new team just emerges from the old city. It's like, wait a minute. The Browns already moved to Baltimore. Now there's also a, a Browns and also a Baltimore. There's a true and a court, even though court became true. It's all very confusing. <laughs> it is really weird. Um, and But I, you know, I think in this particular case, like, you know, one of the things, for example, that I saw that I was like, oh, I didn't know that. And I found out because there are cameras in the court is that they're in one of the, in one of the instructional videos, of like what the cops learn how to do shit one of them shows a knee as a form of restraint on a body right and um in in very much the same way we saw it in the in the George George Floyd killing and uh and I was like well holy shit I mean can we also get rid of that or like is there a part of the punishment that includes that fucking instructional video because that you shouldn't be a part of it you know what I mean so hopefully the camera being there will lead to some more you know more more good uh than harm um and as we wrap up here I want to mention that Keith Ellison who's the attorney general in Minnesota uh is also someone I know he was in my film the Muslims are coming um He's also like the first Muslim member of Congress. So I just feel weird. I'm not a fucking journalist, but I do feel like I have to disclose that for some reason um, that I know Keith Ellison. Okay. Does he know me? Would he even remember? Anyways, I don't know. We we, we saw each other like twice um, in in a professional capacity. What? Okay. Anyway. Uh, You're very memorable, Nikki. There's no doubt he doesn't remember you. I also thought that the the video, I hadn't oh. seen that angle you know, you're like you were saying, we're learning new things, right. and then that angle where you see the the gun dra- being drawn so quickly, um, I, I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't watched the yes, the it's it was the it was the body cam video on the rookie cop or something that yeah, showed the second the, cop. The, yeah, well, how'd that make you feel that video? I mean, I already was coming in strong on the this is obviously murder side. So, you know right, what I mean? Right. I wasn't I wasn't yeah. leaning one way or the other. Um, but you immediately see George Floyd's he immediately is acquiescing. He's immediately afraid. He's immediately anxious. He's terrified. Yeah, uh, he's terrified. And I, I do think that um, people who maybe thought there was another side to this if they see that immediate anxiety in a person, do you know what I mean? Maybe they for one second could be like that kind of a fear in a situation being, you know what I mean? Maybe more empathy in some way. I do see what Amir is saying, but it is weird that we're selling ad space 
during a murder trial. But I, I, on the other side, I'm hopeful that the cameras will allow people to be more on one side empathetic and on the other side feel like they're getting some transparency and accountability. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, that's where I am. And also, like, I, you know, it is weird to be, like, I'm not leaning either. I'm just, like, looking at these things from that lens of, like, if a person didn't really know and saw this footage for the first time, this is pretty fucking damning, all of the footage. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, So So yeah. uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it, it, it's hard. The whole thing is just, uh, it's hard to look at. Uh, well, folks, let me know what you think. Should there be cameras in the courtroom? Uh, we're, we're a little mixed over here on Fake the Nation. Let me know where you are on all the social medias uh, that I also hope that you're not using, <laughs> that, you have, that you're just more controlled about social media than the rest of us, and you're just really great, and you don't need it. Um, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about other things. Today's show is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending. It helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. I have used Rocket Money. And you guys, honestly, I had no idea how many things I was subscribing to that I didn't want to be subscribing to. I think we all go into, we enter into subscriptions with a Pollyanna view that we're going to use as a subscription, even though it's a super obscure, you know, education app from Albania that uh, teaches Russian math or whatever. And then you're like, I'm never going to use this. Why did I get it? I should remember to cancel it. And then you don't. And I know you guys are like me and I know you've done this to yourselves. And guess what? 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about. So we're all in this bucket. And I think paying for that stuff is so angering and Rocket Money is there to help. Because basically Rocket Money shows you, hey, look at this is what all the things you are subscribed to. But then here's the bigger thing. To unsubscribe, you don't have to go through the whole rigmarole. Rocket Money unsubscribes for you with a click of a button. It's so easy. The other thing Rocket Money did for me, which I was incredibly grateful for, was reduce the cost of one of my bills. It was my cable bill. Yes, I still have cable. Rocket Money has over 5 million users that have saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. I mean, that tracks for me and for the number of things I was paying for that I'm frankly ashamed of. So thank you, Rocket Money, for like fixing the shame glaze on my life. Uh, so stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation, you guys. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. And we 
are back and we're ready for topic number two. Let's get into some dumb controversies or in some of these cases, controversies featuring dumb people. And the dumb people in this case is Matt Gates. Uh, dude may have had sexual encounters with a 17 year old girl. There may have also been some fraud, extortion and sex trafficking situations. And I know it's just so utterly shocking that such a close ally of Trump would end up being a gross person. Um, gosh, I mean, did anyone see this coming except for everybody? Uh, so my question for you both is um, just, Amir, just share your shock with me uh, over this story. It's crazy. I'm looking at a photo of this guy. He's so hot and seemingly so down to earth. <laughs> Great head of hair. <laughs> Are you telling me this sweet, sweet boy paid for sex i don't see it and i'm just looking into his political background i mean yeah he skews a little right of center but don't we all he's a little conservative sure but i wouldn't say a sure he of... defended a, the, the january 6th situation yes, yes, i mean who did it happen and yeah he's his fiance is named ginger lucky and they met at mar-a-lago but i mean like are we gonna just assume <laughs> that everybody that met their fiance at mar-a-lago has some sort of deviant sexual past what is going on here um, you know, they both just love golf, and I hear that the the nine holes there are uh, excellente. Is that what it um, is? Yeah. I don't know. I have no idea. Leah, do you know? <laughs> <laughs> you do know about the nine holes at Mar-a-Lago? I'm always at the Mar-a-Lago, sinking balls in holes. Um... <laughs> oh, my God. Is that what insiders call it? Mar-a-Lago? They say almost <laughs> all of the syllables, but just lop off just that one last O. <laughs> I don't know. That's how I feel like I, I'd say it. I'd be like, we go into Marlage, you know, <laughs> and I'd maybe try to make it French. Yeah, yeah, Marlage. yeah, yeah. Oh, Marlage. Um. <laughs> also, there's like receipts yeah. on Cash App. There's receipts on Cash App. And I think we can all agree that Cash App doesn't lie, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Cash App doesn't think that the fucking election was stolen. <laughs> or do they? I actually don't know. I think the issue is that he voted again. He thinks that sex trafficking is okay. He didn't vote against it. And then he took a 17-year-old girl across state lines. And having paid her, yeah. 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 But he's just giving her nice, friendly gifts, is what he said to Tucker. When you make Tucker Carlson look normal, I think we can all agree. <laughs> I also just want to point out, Amir, you mentioned his hair. His hair is, like, taller and more... What is that called? Is it a, like a bouffant? What is that spe like that specific? It's taller than what you think it is. Whatever you have in your head head of it's Matt Gates's hair, yeah. add an inch to that. It, and then he looks we're like I think it's I forget if it's Beavis or Butthead, but it looks like he's dressed it up for a specific <laughs> Halloween costume, and that's what it is. I will say like, his yeah. hair is actually very good. Like that's the best part about no, it's, him, it's for a great sure. head of hair. It's a great. It's head a great of head, of head of hair. I have it no notes about that. It won him several elections. That that hair. Yeah, his face is very um, punchable, but the hair is legit. Yeah, 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 100%. Uh, I want to say, just in terms of, like, whether or not this fucking matters, he had 346 weekday appearances on cable television since August 2017, so, on, on cable news. So he, you know, I think was a, a very a popular voice in the GOP um, when Donnie, you know, became the, the party leader. He was 
um, you know, one of the main guys who like spoke out on his behalf. He would do, he was like Donnie's warm up act whenever Donnie was in Florida, maybe hanging out at Mar a Lags. Um, <laughs> you know, here's, here's a, a couple of uh, greatest hits uh, for Matt. He wore a gas mask on the floor of the House of Representatives during the debate over the first coronavirus pandemic bill, um, which is, I think, in light of 600,000 mortalities later, a really interesting move. Uh, he joined a group of Republican members of Congress who forced their way into a closed congressional witness deposition um, during the run-up to Trump's first impeachment. Uh, the man had two, so there was um, a lot of, uh, you know, impeaching that happened. Um, but in the first one, if you'll recall, the, those glori- the glorious heydays of the first impeachment, uh, he, he, he did that weird thing where he forced his way into a closed witness deposition. Um, so the guy is, uh, is already, you know, weird, but plus all of the things that he normally just says out loud, all of those things are also notably not great. Uh, so, so I guess, Leah, does this matter? The scandal. Normally, I would say no, because this seems to be how this group of people work. But for some reason, nobody's sort of jumping to help him at this point. Um, Usually, it just seems like deny, 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 point fingers at somebody else. Everybody's like, I don't even know what you're talking about, even though you could have pictures of him having sex with an underage girl and they'd be like, not me. I feel like the whole GOP is like a shaggy song. You know what I mean? They're like, I didn't do it. Um, But it seems like nobody's actually jumping to his aid at this point. I'm waiting for next week where he's like, I'm just very Christian. In the Bible, the girls were nine years old. And everybody would be like, that is true. But normally I would say that he's going to not even get a slap on the hand. But it seems like people are actually kind of not coming to his aid right now. Yeah, and I want to say that Shaggy released a new song. Um, you might remember Shaggy from It Wasn't Me. <laughs> He's now released a new song to It Was Definitely Matt. That's the title of his new song. I like that. Uh, from Shaggy. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a real banger, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I hope be, he does. It's going to be that, hot How funny would that be? Song of the summer. And it would just be like pictures of Matt jumping out of the video. <laughs> <laughs> and it would just be uncharacteristically very political of Shaggy, who I just haven't really thought about in a long time. Well, he just did a very big Super Bowl commercial, so that's why it was in my head. Oh, well, see, I didn't watch the Super Bowl. Uh, Please don't let everybody know that I'm so un-American that I didn't do that. No spoilers. Um, Yeah, Yeah, we we won't tell you what happened. (laughs) By the way, Leah, yesterday on a podcast with Amir, the podcast is called uh, Secretly Amazing, uh, for those of you who want to look it up. Um, I referred to the Triangle Defense thingy in basketball i said in a sentence did michael jordan do a triangle (laughs) i think (laughs) yeah what i think in in retrospect i see the air in my grammatical ways the triangle (laughs) offense of course is what we were you were trying to refer to that's what i was trying to bring very Very obtuse. Very they call obtuse. It the, oh, ah, triangle pun. Triangle has puns. just fired herself nice. from fake <laughs> Nice. Oh. Uh, okay, well, let's move on 
to another uh, dumb scandal. Uh, former, so John Boehner, former Republican Speaker of the House under Obama, wrote a memoir, and he did a little riffing on the audiobook version. Let's hear a clip. Freedom means you can be a genius and invent new products that make you millions of dollars and helps millions of people. It means you're free to work your way to becoming the first in your family to go to college. It means you're free to reach as high as you want, no matter where you came from, even if you're a little kid sweeping a bar out in southwest Ohio. Take it from me. You'll never know where you'll end up. That's freedom. I'll raise a glass to that any day. P.S. Ted Cruz, go fuck yourself. That's how I met my wife. P.S. Ted Cruz, go fuck yourself. (laughs) No, I mean, this was so fucking ridiculous. And the funny thing is, when I started listening to the clip, it was like in a piece about, you know, Bader takes down Ted Cruz or whatever. And I was like, oh, they, I, I thought to myself, oh my God, they're playing the wrong clip because this is, has nothing to do with Ted Cruz. (laughs) It's just so fun that like it's just a clip that has nothing to do with Ted Cruz and then it comes in it like that. Um I also want to say John Boehner is a marijuana lobbyist now. Um and the cover of this book, he's fucking holding a like a glass of red wine and I think a cigar or a cigarette or something. He just is in the a fantastic phase of his post-speakership life that see, I think he's having more fun than every anyone that's ever been in Congress. I mean, it is it is always nice to hear other Republicans dislike each other because you know they're, they're just sort of playing nice until they're out of right. politics and then they can tell the truth and you're like, I knew it. I knew nobody liked Ted Cruz. I'm glad I was right about that. <laughs> right. It's just like all of America gets to, to, to say to themselves, like, I was right. Uh, it's just told one of those you. giant things in the form of a book. I told you. Um, I I wanted to also share with you a couple of other quotes. So one of the chapters, one of the titles of, of his ch- chapters in his book is uh, Panic Rooms, Birth Certificates and the Birth of GOP Paranoia, How America's Center-Right Party Started to Lose Its Mind as Told by the Man Who Tried to Keep It Sane. Uh, I thought that was fun. Um, so this, so he's like just tearing the GOP apart. Uh, he also wrote... Um, uh, on the 2010 midterms, he wrote, you could be a total moron and get elected just by having an R next to your name. And that year, by the way, we did pick up a fair number in that category. <laughs> 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 He's just calling people morons. There's like, you know, more on Ted Cruz in this book. Um, part of me was just like, hey, where were you with this shit when all of it started? Like, when the thing started, why weren't you more public? If you had been more public, maybe it wouldn't have been so bad. Yeah, I mean, you that's, know. that's the problem. They were, they were all made fun of Trumpism until he got elected, and they're like, actually, it, do, it does make a lot of sense, and then he loses <laughs> it. I never fucking liked that guy. Like, Wait a minute. <laughs> How can you be this so transparently obvious and... Nobody calls you out on that? No, totally. Um, That said, it also feels like of all of the kind of like political books that have come out from from Republicans, like I might actually read this one. You know what I mean? It just seems kind of fun. 
Uh, I don't know, Leah, am I crazy? No, that it, I absolutely agree. It seems kind of fun. I listened to that clip so many times because it made me laugh so hard. <laughs> and you're, you're like, he's like like this cowboy coming as you were saying, like he's got a drink. He's like, let's smoke weed and just shit on Ted Cruz. And you're like, that sounds great. But as you said, you want to be like, where were you a few years ago when you could have maybe slowed this shit storm down a little bit, buddy? I didn't want to get in trouble is all. P.S. Fuck you, Ted Cruz. <laughs> Amir, I feel like you have a future in John Boehner so- vocal impressions. Whoa, that's pretty cool. All right. <laughs> Guys, sign him up. Where are the sign agents me at? Up. Yes, I'm interested there it is. in there recording it is. an entire book as John Boehner for some reason. P.S. Go eat shit, Ted Cruz. <laughs> I like that you say you, when you do your John Boehner voice and then I can read the bat, your poster behind you, the lonely and horny. It's That's like right. perfect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, we're going to go to our final scandal, which is that Jill Biden wore fishnet stockings and a leather skirt and pixie boots. Um, on a scale of one to pearl clutching, uh, Leah, where were you on this scandal? I wasn't even on the scale. I was, (laughs) I didn't even get the scale out for the scandal. You know what I mean? I was like, I don't even think the scale needs to be involved. Um, Those were tights. You know what I mean? Those were not even fishnets. And even if they were fishnets, have at it. But those were tights. And that was like a pleated leather skirt. You know what I mean? It it, it was a very fun ensemble. Let's be real about the, but, but also... I also just want to say, not that it fucking matters, but it just so happens that our first lady has banging legs. It doesn't matter, obviously, but uh, she can wear some skirts. You know what I mean? And why wouldn't you? It was a fun outfit. As you said, not that it matters, that it matters. because I respect her for her mind and her work <laughs> ethic and her compassion and her empathy for others. But she looked great, and she can wear what she wants to. Uh, Amir, uh, as as a longtime, um, f- you know, fashion expert, uh, I look to you for what what do you think of this scandal? I'm all. I mean, I think you need to have awesome legs. You need to have Michelle Obama <laughs> arms. First ladies to me are limbs and very little else. I look forward to seeing who we trot out at twenty. 20- 24 and what their <laughs> neck looks like you know what i mean did you say their neck i want some thin neck energy coming from the next <laughs> or second gentleman actually yeah what's his name doug yeah uh, kamala's, kamala's doug has husband. some Wait. monster calves <laughs> i immediately and gotta go I google his calves after I know. I have not looked at his calves enough. And I have to be honest with the audience of Fake the Nation here is that I really haven't paid attention to his calves. And I feel like a terrible podcaster. Uh, So thanks for for bringing that up. I already feel guilty for looking at his calves, but I'm totally going to do it. I'm also a leg woman. I love legs. So I I don't know why I haven't looked. Good point, Amir. Thank you. Yeah, (laughs) good All right, folks, let me know what you think of these three controversies. Um, You know, they're dumb. Uh, well, serious, <laughs> also serious, but also dumb. All right, let's uh, get into topic number three. 
So therapy is having a renaissance during this stale, flavorless, global panini. Uh, sometimes uh, it's in the legitimate world of apps that are simply trying to pair you with a therapist. Uh, but there's a new piece in the cut by Molly Fisher called the Therapy App Fantasy. Uh, which talks about an entire other world of digital therapy, one that is more text focused. Um, so, so first, I guess, let me just ask you guys, like, what is your relationship with these apps? Like, do you use them, know of them, heard uh, other people using them? Where, where are you at with these apps? I mean, you know me, I'm, I'm a huge fan of therapy, uh, literally up my therapist's butt all the time. I stand outside her house when she goes on vacation. <laughs> Is my therapy working? I don't know. Um, I don't use an app. You know, we, I started dating her before apps. But, you know, I feel anything that can get somebody closer to therapy, it's great to try. Yeah, I mean, obviously texting is not the ideal way to just sort of sit down and vent and go to therapy. But I would definitely categorize it as better than nothing. The question is... Is it closer to nothing or is it closer to real in-person <laughs> therapy on a scale of nothing to therapy? Where does it land? Yeah, that's the fucking question, right? Because it, like, okay, my number one thing is that it feels like what most people need is to do more talking to actual people and a te like text-based therapy will get you away from talking to actual people because you're texting with them, but it's not the kind of interaction. You know, someone was just telling me about a therapy appointment they had and a, a subject that came up. The therapist brought up a subject and that person, you know, was like, ugh, like, I hate talking about this. And the therapist said, you look visibly uncomfortable while as we talk about this. And they were like, oh, yeah. I think a therapist being able to see that someone is visibly uncomfortable with a subject or whatever feels like pr pretty critical tone of voice, all of that stuff. Um, pauses, like, you know, you are reading everything about a person uh, as a therapist, right? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a fucking therapist, but I imagine there's, you know, um, and you're, you're getting a lot of inputs. And in a text, it's just... I just, it's just that you're not getting nearly as many inputs. And it also sort of depends on if that guy, that person is like really good at writing text messages or not. <laughs> you know, like I feel like I get text messages from friends that are utterly confusing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if that's like now someone's emotional lifeline, uh, I, I, I think that would be closer to nothing than therapy. Right. And like if they're still like on T9, they're still using that. Yeah. <laughs> still using T9. Yeah. Amir, you were going to say? Oh, no. I was just going to say it seems more stressful than um, actually like stress alleviating to have to text out all your problems and make sure that you're like typing it correctly and waiting for a response. It seems like it would be counterproductive. It's like the early days. I mean, Leah, you mentioned you started dating your therapist before the app, but it does sound like that kind of early dating, just straight up dating, because you're sending a message to someone and like when you're when you're first dating someone, you're like, oh my God, how long is it going to take them to respond to my text message? Uh, by the way, the, the glory of my current, I think you know this, Leah, but the glory of my current husband and only husband and only future husband probably <laughs> is that he, um, he, when we started dating, he just, he specifically just never 
introduce text messaging. It's like we didn't text for like six weeks, you know, which is crazy. Like if you think about it, because every relationship I had was so text heavy, you know, there was a ton of texting. There was a ton of flirting going on over text. There was a ton of like, uh, you know, making dates over text. But the, 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 the crazy thing about the man I ended up marrying is that we didn't do any texting. If you wanted to set up a date, he literally called me like it was 1955 and asked <laughs> if I was available on a certain day. We agreed to the location on that phone call. And then we would just meet there and then well, there was no texting involved. Like, no, I'm running 10 minutes late, nothing. It was just then, then I would meet him at that location. Um, and it was, it was crazy. And it wasn't even like totally, like we didn't talk about that we weren't using text. It's just like we did it, you know? And I mean, I think he was really, he, he was, you know, intentional about it. But I think that uh, in all of the other relationships I had, texting was such a stressful part of it because I was always waiting for a response. How is that person going to respond? And in this situation, like what if your therapist can't get to it for a little while? And then what if your therapist said something? I mean, it, oftentimes therapists don't say very much, right? They're asking you more questions. Um, they're kind of helping you get to where you're supposed to be on your, you know, through the process of talking about it and asking questions, right? So then that makes the texting just, I don't know, endless? I think that um, since it's newer, they're going to have to set up better parameters, you know, how it works. Because yeah. a therapist also can't be available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's not. But I do think maybe it's like an opening, like an opening, and then they'll figure it out down the road. Um, because there is something about... I think relieving some people just need to get it out and maybe it's a helpful step to text it. Plus we have a whole new generation of people that communicate through texts. Like maybe they just right. need to send out a few emojis to somebody and then they're going to be better. Um, I also found it very interesting <laughs> right in the article that 33% of counties have no therapists in them. That's a lot. Right. And, you know, yeah. I'm sure those people need people to talk to. So I think maybe it's beginning to address the issue and then hopefully they'll figure it out for all the problems that you just brought up further down the line. I mean, an excellent point is like the the, the part of, uh, of app therapy that I think is excellent is about those 33% of counties that have no therapists, right? Is about finding people because we have like an insane number of therapists in New York City and an extremely like enthusiastic therapy culture, right? But that's not the case <laughs> yes. in other places, right? In other places, there may, there may be a little bit less enthusiasm. Someone might want to dip their toe in, but they don't know where to go, who to turn to. And this app, you know, and an app that pairs you with a human being um, that you can then do like video uh, therapy with. I think that's fantastic. And I think that is closer to therapy than nothing in your in your spectrum, Amir. Um, but then there's this world of just like, okay, so let me ask you this. So there's this other world of stuff um, where it's, it's uh, forget, it, forget the testing, texting an actual human being. There's this world of like quote unquote therapy where it, um, you know, it's, the a digital equivalent in this article it says it's the digital equivalent of a scented candle, right? So like um, some of the services they provide are, um, are like tracking your mood. Um, there's AI chatbots that track your mood and then offer tips. So again, it's, it's artificial intelligence bots 
that are then giving you, um, t you know, tips like observe your thoughts as they flow just like a river, you know, stuff like that. But it's coming from a just straight up robot. Um, where do you land on those? Uh, <laughs> Amir is just like immediately laughing. Amir, what, uh, what, what are you laughing at? We're just getting further and further away from society. Like just, I think we should call it here. I think let's stop the podcast, wrap it up. Let's all walk into the ocean at this point. Where do I land society, on a robot been, texting we you? We found Be the mindful. end of society. <laughs> yeah. A program yeah. that texts you. Remember to think about big picture shit. And then you're supposed to replace that with it. Like, where are we headed here, people? There's a murder case on Channel 4. I'm getting texts from a program that says, have you breathed in and out 12 times today? Let's just, we had a great run. Awesome. Good, good job, everybody. <laughs> Obviously, society is not for everybody. Civilization, we we took it for granted a little bit. Let's call it here and <laughs> blow it blow it up. Leah, are you uh, where 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 do you what do you think as a marker of uh, ending society? Well, I I love that uh, society's not for everybody. Hilarious, but I um I I think of, I think that's more like a meditation app. You know, right. logging your moods and, and noticing. And maybe for like a beginner, a beginner, you know, someone who myself is like a professional th therapized person, logging your moods. <laughs> I love that I you're not a professional therapist. You're a professional therapized person. I really am. I mean, I put my time in. I, uh, that might be in here. I don't know why I'm being so positive on this, but I feel like if there's any steps, beginner steps included to happy mental health, that would be great. And maybe logging your moods. Like I think some people, because, you know, we do, New York is a culture where we talk about therapy all the time. I think we're very comfortable being like, oh, I recognize when I do this, I feel angry. And I think some people, because in where they live, people don't talk. It's not as comfortable to talk about that stuff. Just logging. Oh, I notice that when I see this person, I always get anxious. Or when I do this, I get angry. That might actually right. be a helpful step for somebody. Well, uh, you know, Amir, one of the little um, reviews that someone left on one of these services, I don't know which one, they wrote, this is like your own little therapist. It, this is like your own little therapist, and I love it, um, about the AI chatbots. Um, it almost seems like the person who might love it is someone who's like a little more self-aware. Like, Leah, the picture you're painting is someone who is recognizing that they feel anxious when they see a certain person, right? Like that's not, you know, that's already, it sounds like I'm almost an, like a gifted self-aware person or someone who's already been a little therapized professionally or not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, like it's like, sounds like someone who did therapy for 10 years and is using this for like just a little touch up, you know, mm. just a little, it's like a, just a little Botox to keep the the therapy wrinkles away. A booster shot. Yeah. That's yeah. 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 Booster shot. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know, uh, folks, uh, let me know where you stand on whether this is the end of civilization or if you're one of the people <laughs> for whom like, you know, civilization is for you. It's Are, not you know like I mean? we had a great run is what I'm saying. Let's you just know, we poison our water. We did it a long time. We did great. We have nothing to fucking like. Don't cry because it's over. Just <laughs> drink the Kool-Aid. Ce celebrate what was. <laughs> yes. We got to the end. 
The last level is a robot telling you to relax. <laughs> we don't need to see what the war will be. Let's just cut God. cut it off before the um, the final chapter. You know, I feel I, I feel like this is this is a really momentous place to end the show because uh, because Amir effectively ended society here on Fake the Nation. Well, like yeah, and I, I didn't realize today's show was going to be this big. It's, it's, it's hard a to go back to that. It's hard to like what's next <laughs> after that. It's like actually, let's talk about one last thing. Um, <laughs> did Biden get a haircut? <laughs> Is Biden wearing tights? I, I feel weird about myself that I'm the person that's like, but it could work. Maybe someone just did need to breathe. Like, am I like Ted Lasso in real life? Or like breathing is important though. Maybe that made them feel good. No, no you're right. I love I'm your optimism, one. Leah. No, yeah. I, Amir is definitely the worst person on the podcast. We and you're we the best person be on the podcast. That wouldn't work either. <laughs> I just when I, my positivity is reflected back on myself, I'm like, oh no, I gotta, I gotta tone it down. It's embarrassing. Uh, folks, let me know how embarrassed you think Leah should be about herself. <laughs> how embarrassed should Leah be about herself? Oh, and embarrassed is such a hard word to spell that good luck on that hashtag. Yeah. Yeah, use some AI technology to help you figure out the spelling on that word and reach out to me and also send me some therapy notes uh, for me to live my life. Um, all right, folks, that is the end of the show. You've been so remarkable. Thank you so much for joining me. And I really want for people to follow you and all of the work that you do. Uh, Amir, where do they do that? That's a good question. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. My uh, Twitter handle is just my last name, Blumenfeld, on Twitter. Blumenfeld. It's That's spelled right. just like how it sounds, folks. Do not That's... make a, you know what I mean? Don't over-intellectualize the spelling of this last name. Yeah. It is it's Blumenfeld. not Blumenfeld either. No, it's God, not no. that. It's, it's definitely it. not it's that. It's the F-E-L-D. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> Um, folk, definitely do that. He's also oh funny. He's such got a huge back and current catalog of many works. So enjoy all of them. Uh, Leah Bonima, where do people find you? I'm on all the socials. I'm at Leah Bonima, and I'll spell it because of the N's and the M's. It's L E A H B O N N E M A. And you should definitely follow Leah. Uh, I've sung her praises in the past, so you already know I'm a big fan. I'm just waiting for you to be a big fan if you aren't already, because <laughs> there is so much to fan of, of of her work. Oh, my goodness. Thank um, you. And you folks know where to find me. Uh, all that podcast I mentioned, it's called Secretly Incredibly Fascinating with Alex Schmidt, uh, and you can catch the next episode with me and Amir. You can also catch me on Star Talk. We talked to um, the, the, the Neil deGrasse Tyson podcast. Um, where we talked about dying stars. Um, I was the guest scientist. Uh, no, uh, that's a, uh, that's just a little joke. <laughs> it's just a little joke. I wasn't the guest scientist. Of course, I was just the comedic co-host. There was a very smart scientist, um, Jackie Verity. Uh, so come, and an upcoming episode of Star Talk um, has us talking about cicadas, which is what got me so fascinated. It definitely is to listen to that. Um, it's a real romp. Uh, and also, thank you so much to everybody who watched the first episode of Bird Girl on 
on Adult Swim, on the Cartoon Network. Oh my gosh, it's such a fun show. Um, I, I play Meredith Mind Taker. I'm Bird Girl's number one bestie. Uh, and I, I take minds and it's real, real fucking fun. So I hope that you uh, will, will listen to that. And what I really would like to do is thank the people that make this show possible. That's our wonderful producer, Julia Linden. Sound engineer, Stephanie Aguilar is fantastic. And of course, all the wonderful people at HeadGum, like Amir, that make this show happen. Thank you so much. Uh, the theme music is by the wonderful Gabby Alter. And as always, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and email us at fakethenation at headgum.com. We'll be back in your earballs next week. That was a HeadGum podcast.